You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. It should come as no great surprise. In fact, it should come as no surprise at all that there are many common, or dare I use the word normal, misunderstandings or misconceptions when it comes to focus. The normal mind is full of misconceptions, starting with the misconceptions that we have about ourselves. We know that from recent conversations. But people often say to me, oh, I'm focused on my goals. And I tell them, no, that's not focus. People tell me that when they are working really hard on a particular project, when they're really concentrated, they're fully focused. Nope, that's not focus either. I had an interesting conversation with a group of people, old clients, a couple of years ago on Zoom. And one of the guys, who happened to be the chief executive of a company at the time, said that over the course of the preceding couple of months since we had last spoken, he had found himself becoming increasingly unfocused. And I asked him, what do you mean by that? He said, well, I seem to be doing less and less. He said, I don't seem to be putting an awful lot of effort into what I'm doing. Focus surely has something to do with effort. That's wrong, by the way, too. So I asked him, I said, well, what are the outcomes that are actually happening as a result of you doing less? He said, oh, I'm achieving more. <laughs> That's focus. We know from years of neuroscience that when you are in flow, that you expend lesser and lesser and progressively lesser amounts of energy on doing what needs to be done to simply and effortlessly achieve the goals that you have set yourself. That's focus. The Oxford English Dictionary definition of focus is almost identical to the definition of mindfulness as per John Kabat-Zinn and the University of Massachusetts Medical School. In the case of focus, the dictionary says, focus is deliberately paying your conscious attention to what you are doing now. The University of Massachusetts says that mindfulness is deliberately paying an unusual amount of attention to what you are doing now in the present moment, non-judgmentally. Now, the non-judgmental one, I'll come back to in a couple of minutes, but let's look at the similarities in those two definitions. Focus is a now thing. Mindfulness is obviously a now thing. I'm present in the moment. I am completely, fully, deeply immersed in the moment. Focus means that I'm just doing what I'm doing and no more. Mindfulness means that I'm just experiencing what I'm experiencing, knowing what's going on as a result of which I'm doing what I'm doing and no more. Let's talk about effortlessness before I come back to non-judgmental. The effort in anything we do 
is the result of thinking about doing it or thinking about something else while I'm trying to do what I'm supposed to be doing now. I had an interesting conversation with a group, again, of old clients, by coincidence, almost the same group, not quite, but almost, just a couple of days ago, when we were talking about the way in which bureaucracy and the lack of customer service that prevails in the corporate world at this stage means that what used to take one or two emails or conversations to sort out now can take a dozen emails. There are no conversations involved because it's impossible to reach anybody in a lot of these large organizations anymore. The concept of customer service has completely gone out the window. The point my friend in that conversation was making was that in this day and age, we seem to be increasingly wading through an ever-growing lake of crap. And as I pointed out to him, the crap is not what's going on outside. The crap is what you think internally about the stuff that you have to deal with, which is easier to do what you have to do or to bemoan the fact that you have to do it at all, or to put it off and think about it and perhaps do it tomorrow. And then having put it off, annoy yourself that you are procrastinating or perhaps that you're lazy, something that I hear frequently, and then feel guilty about all of that and beat yourself up further. And now you're further removed as a result of thoughts swirling around in your own head from the reality of the here and now, and therefore you are unable to focus. Let's deal with the non-judgmental bit, because we're judging all the time when we are using our minds normally. In fact, that's only half true. Actually, what we're doing is prejudging everything that is going on moment to moment when we use our minds normally, because we're prejudiced people. We were prejudiced as a result of the psychological snapshots that we took when we were young and impressionable at two or three years of age. If you don't believe what I'm talking about, would you go back and look at last Thursday's 23 minute free Thursday morning video, where I talked about how we're programmed when we are in particular in the third year of our lives, how as a result of the way in which our minds developed during the third year of our lives, we never experience anything new or anybody new after the age of 12 or 13. We put them in a box or what cognitive psychology calls a category straight away. The minute we encounter a new situation or meet a new individual, we make up our minds automatically within four seconds. And that automatic boxing of something or somebody is as a result of what we learned when we were two or three years old. In other words, we're prejudiced and we've been prejudiced since we were two or three years old. The worst, the worst aspect of that is that we're constantly prejudiced against ourselves. We know from our previous conversations that we learned who we thought we were, I'm using the past tense now, that we learned who we thought we were during, in particular, the third year of our lives. We talked about that indeed on our live Zoom last Friday as well. If you haven't listened to that, it's really well worth a listen. The feedback I've got from so many people, including 
program owners, in other words, owners of the online program, the psychology of success, the feedback that I've got in relation to that 45 minute Zoom that we did last Friday is amazing because we actually went to the heart of a couple of key matters very, very quickly. And the key matter that we went to straight at the beginning as a result of a question that I was asked online, live on Friday, but also in the lead up to that online Zoom, I was asked exactly the same question. If I have children and they're seven, eight or 17 or 18 years of age, and I did all this stuff to them mindlessly when they were two or three years old, what have I done? What have I done to my children? And are they beyond redemption? Can I rescue them? What can I do now? And we discussed all of that in our Zoom last Friday. But it does go to the heart of the point that I'm making, that we are prejudiced and we have been prejudiced against ourselves since we were two or three years old because of the way in which evolution has seen to it that we take negative psychological snapshots over positive psychological snapshots because being more negative about ourselves keeps us on our toes and remember we were designed and evolved for survival not to achieve anything great not to achieve our goals and objectives not to live the life that you'd love to live your brain isn't wired that way at all indeed your brain is actually wired to not focus as i said right at the beginning there are all kinds of misconceptions about what focus is Focus, pure and simple, is a now thing. I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm not trying to do it. I'm not trying to wade through the crap that we talked about a minute ago. Most importantly, I'm not trying to wade through the crap in my own head that I've been carrying around with me since I was young and impressionable. I'm wading through nothing. I'm just here and I'm doing just what I'm doing now. That's what focus is. The normal mind evolved to ensure that you, as a normal adult, cannot focus because the way in which evolution saw to the way in which our brain became wired over a period of 1.8 million years, evolution saw to it that all of our focus would only be available to us in a life-threatening situation because we are only wired for survival. And that means, cognitive psychology has known this for decades, but neuroscience has confirmed it again and again and again in hard science over the last 15 to 20 years. We know for a fact that after the age of 12 or 13, the center of focus in your brain, in the left prefrontal cortex, sometimes known as the brain's central executive, often known as the seat of conscious attention more colloquially known in cognitive psychology as the attentional spotlight. That piece of the brain is turned off at the age of puberty and will never be turned on again unless you encounter a life-threatening situation. Now, there are a couple of other situations in which that part of the brain is turned on. Under general anesthetic is one of them. And if you think about it, or perhaps just reflect on it rather than getting caught up in the world of thought, that's kind of obvious for the simple reason that when you're knocked out, you're not thinking. So therefore, your attentional spotlight, your subconscious mind comes to the surface. 
that attentional spotlight also comes on sometimes in the depths of lucid dreaming. It's no use to us, obviously, because we're asleep. And that attentional spotlight also comes on in the last 20 to 30 seconds before we die. It's appalling. It's an awfully sad realization that for most people, they will only fully experience living their life on their deathbed. That, by the way, is the modern cognitive psychological explanation for the so-called near-death experience. And there's quite a bit of science and quite a bit of neuroscience behind what I've just said that is beyond the scope of the few minutes we have together in this podcast. The key thing is that your center of focus in your brain is not available to you after the age of 12 or 13. Unless and until you do something about it. We know, and we've known for the last 20 odd years at this stage, that meditation turns on the brain's attentional spotlight. We know, and we've known this for the last 13 years, that regular meditation restructures the left prefrontal cortex in the brain so that your attentional spotlight becomes available to you when you're not meditating. Now, these, that, that's the game changer because, you know, we could all meditate and we could all become monks or we could all become hermits and we could all turn in on ourselves. But there's no merit to meditating at all unless it has real world advantages and provides us with the ability to deliver real world results. What do I mean by that? Well, as I said a minute ago, the normal brain is wired to survive. It is not wired to enable you achieve your goals and objectives. It is not wired to enable you focus. It is not wired to enable you live the life that you'd love to live. And for most people, they can see the results of that. A life led or not led, a, a life that drifts from one day to the next where most days are broadly similar. And you shouldn't be surprised at that, by the way, because we know from previous conversations that the 70,000 thoughts that whiz through the normal mind every day are the same 70,000 thoughts that whiz through the normal mind. Little wonder that normal life generally meanders from one day to the next where there is a broad similarity between all of the days involved. When you meditate and when you meditate regularly and restructure your left prefrontal cortex, when your attentional spotlight is available to you, when you're not meditating, that means now, right in the cut and thrust of whatever life is throwing at you or whatever you are supposed to be doing now, now you can focus. Now you are equipped to focus. More than that, we know as a result of further neuroscientific exploration over the last 13 years, that when you meditate regularly, it isn't just your attentional spotlight that becomes available to you. It isn't just the attentional spotlights part of the brain that is restructured as a result of the way in which the attentional spotlight coordinates the subcortical brain, what I call your doing brain, the bits of your brain that enable you know where you are and know what you need to do to get to where you want to go. As a result of regular meditation, which 
changes the shape of the left prefrontal cortex and changes the way in which your attentional spotlight coordinates the insula, the amygdala, and the hippocampus in your subcortical brain. Those three key components of your subcortical brain, the insula, the amygdala, and the hippocampus, restructure as well. And suddenly, against all the odds of evolution, you have rewired your brain to enable you focus to enable you achieve your goals and objectives, to enable you live the life that you would love to live. In other words, you've taken an evolutionary quantum leap and all that that takes is regular meditation. Now, as I said a few weeks ago, when you meditate first, you, for the first time in your life, take control of your attentional spotlight. You now can focus on what is important moment to moment and that focus can enable you to do just what you need to do and no more we actually had a podcast video a number of months ago back in the summer that was entitled doing what you need to do and no more and that is worth another listen or as many of my listeners say most of the podcast episodes are worth more than one listen but listen to what I'm saying here now. Through regular meditation, you make your brain fit for purpose in the 21st century to enable you live the life that you would love to live. So if you now have control of your attentional spotlight, where are you going to shine it? Now, this is a simpler question than it actually sounds, because people often say to me, oh, surely I need to shine it in the direction which I want my life to go. And how many people, how many among us know what way we want our life to go? It's a much simpler question than that question. Where do you want to shine your attentional spotlight? Has an obvious answer if we go back to the start of today's podcast, when I said that focus is a now thing, mindfulness is a now thing. Where do I want to shine my attentional spotlight? I want to shine it on the here and now. And again, meditation enables me to do that, and it enables me to do it effortlessly. It enables me to do it without thinking about it. Let me explain the mechanics involved, because the mechanics involved are the same mechanics that we've used throughout evolution to achieve what in evolutionary times was our big goal, survival. You're meandering through the bush looking for this evening's dinner as a hunter-gatherer, maybe five or 6,000 years ago, and the bushes rustle, and you're confronted by a woman-eating or a man-eating tiger. What do you do? You get the hell out of there as quickly as possible without thinking about it. You somehow know the quickest route out. You somehow gain what people often describe as superhuman energy or powers to run like hell and get the hell out of there. What has happened? Well, your subcortical brain, having its primary goal as survival, knows exactly where you are. Your hippocampus has a 3D map of the clearing you've just walked into in the bush, even if you've never been there before. This is how clever we actually are, by the way. And it knows the quickest escape route 
that will take the least effort and is most likely to succeed. And it enables you, as I said a minute ago, run like hell. It enables you to do just what you need to do to get what you want out of the situation in which you find yourself. Take that forward into your newly restructured, rewired brain as a result of regular meditation. Now, the insula, the amygdala and the hippocampus. Don't just do what you need to do to run away from a tiger. They will enable you to do whatever you need to do in the here and now, in any here and now, to move you forward towards your best life. And you don't need to know or think about, in particular, you don't need to think about it. You don't need to know what your best life might look and feel like. We all have a sense, by the way, of what our best life actually might look and feel like. For a start, we would be healthy, wouldn't we? And we would be happy. Yeah, health and happiness. That'll do in terms of providing us with a guiding light to move us effortlessly forward in our life. So if I know in my heart and soul, and we all do, that health and happiness are the cornerstones of the kind of life I would love to experience, then all I need to do is turn up to the here and now. And my subcortical brain in the here and now, with my attentional spotlight switched on, will know what I need to do in this now to move me into the next now to move me towards health and happiness. Or indeed, to enable me actually experience health and happiness in the here and now. Now, there's a whole, there's a whole conversation we need to have about the health bit. Because, as I've said a couple of weeks ago, healthy mind, healthy body. And we do need to explore that in an awful lot greater depth. Because I know from the work that I've done over almost 28 years at this stage, that people with all kinds of physical health problems overcome those health problems as a result of overcoming the way in which evolution developed their brain. So we do need to talk about that in more depth and detail. But the happiness one is easy. You know, most people say, oh, hold on, I'm not happy in my job. I'm not happy in my relationship. I'm not happy with my weight. I'm not happy with this, that, or the other. Your weight right now is obviously a fact. Your job might be the wrong job for you. But it doesn't matter whether you're unhappy with this, that, or the other. It has nothing to do with your job, your weight, or your relationship. It has to do with what you think of your job, your weight, and your relationship. Because happiness is an internal thing. Happiness comes from using your mind properly to experience the here and now so that you don't think about the job, the weight, the relationship, whatever. Instead, you're focused in the here and now, and you know what you need to say and do in the here and now to move yourself towards a life that is best for you, a life that for starters has as its baseline health and happiness. Let me use an analogy. I'm not sure in which Harry Potter film, Harry, the bespectacled wizard, finds a treasure map with nothing on it. But once he takes a step on that treasure map, the next step that he needs to take appears. This is how our minds actually work. This is how our attentional spotlight works. If I shine my attentional spotlight on the here and now, 
if I take the step that I inherently, instinctively, and at a gut instinct level know that I need to take now, then in the next now, my attentional spotlight will light the way. It's an analogy, but it is actually an analogy that perfectly describes the journey, the adventure, on which most of the people with whom I work are moving. What they are discovering is that in doing just what they need to do in the here and now, and no more, in saying just what they need to say in the here and now, and no more, in being present and just operating in that way, things fall into place. They're called synchronicities. We talked about that quite a bit over a number of sessions earlier in the summer. Everything just falls into place. People keep telling me that the things that they needed to happen, they stumble across them or they fall into their lap. The number of times that people have said to me, oh, something feels like it just happened. And of course, nothing just happens. Things fall into place when you do the right thing and no more and no more so you don't even need to have big goals and objectives deep down inside your gut instinct knows that the grandest goal of all is to live your best life you don't need to think about it you know as i said right at the beginning people say oh i can focus on my goals no that's not focus focus is being here doing what you need to do in the here and now and somewhere deep down knowing in your heart and soul that the grandest goal you could experience in your life is living your best life health and happiness as i said cornerstones so what you need to do is turn up what you need to do is constantly work on developing your ability to be present in the here and now. Now, the word work suggests that there's effort involved. There's no effort involved. Imagine setting aside maybe 10 minutes a morning to make the other 23 hours and 50 minutes of the day so much better. What other investment in your life would you get that kind of return on? All you need to do is spend a few minutes enabling your mind to become clear and settled. So that for starters, you have a healthy mind, then you have a healthy body, and then you have the ability to understand what's going on moment to moment. And you have the ability to do just what you need to do moment to moment without thinking about it, without any of the procrastination or laziness that thinkers think is involved in trying to do anything. You just flow. That's why the University of Chicago calls it flow. That's why Mihaly Chitsentmihai calls it flow. But it's not going with the flow because when we do just what we need to do to move effortlessly forward, we create the flow. And that's what we're talking about in the three Thursday morning videos that I am running over last Thursday, tomorrow, and next week. They are much longer videos than usual. Those of you who will know my 800 and something plus videos going back to 2018 that come out every Thursday morning, they're normally three or four or five minutes long. Last week's 
was 23 minutes long. I don't know how long tomorrow's will be because I haven't finished it yet because I need to factor in some of the stuff that I have got from people who were with me on Zoom last Friday or indeed tuned into the video last Thursday. If you're not getting that video, which drops into people's inboxes on a Thursday morning, if you're not getting that, it's because you haven't signed up. Those three videos last week, this week and next week together form a training course that will change your life if you simply follow the little steps involved. And they are only little steps because we can only take one little step at a time in each now. So if you haven't signed up, click the link that goes with this podcast on your podcast player and sign up because we're in the middle of that training course right now. And as I said last week, and I'll say it again, I'm also opening the online program, The Psychology of Success, to new program owners right now. And I'll be doing that at a very special offer price up to and including Black Friday. And if you want details of that, there's a link in your podcast player that will take you straight to those details too. For now. The message is very clear. There isn't an awful lot we have to do to be the superhuman that we are when we're not thinking. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-com 